everyone and welcome to Midwife at Your Cervix with me, Beth, midwife, mother of four and founder of the Bumped Baby Chapter. This episode is with Olivia, who is a midwife, mother and lactation consultant. She has a crazy informative Instagram account, which was the reason I wanted to get her on the podcast. She is an absolute whiz about anything infant feeding. Recently, Olivia has gone on a quest to find out more about tongue ties and how or who should be diagnosing one. Olivia chats through some tongue tie myths as well as why it's so important for new mums to know about tongue ties and who to go to if they suspect that their baby has one. I for one was actually totally shocked listening to the findings of Olivia's quest and it certainly highlights why new mothers need to be informed and supported in those early feeding days. Uh, Just a quick side note as well, if you're not watching this in a video, Olivia actually has her baby in her arms throughout. She's such a badass recording a podcast with a baby in arms. So if you hear any squeaks or squirms, it's the baby. Let me introduce you to Olivia. Hey Olivia, thanks so much for coming on today. I am so glad to have you here. Um, Thank you for having me. To start with, could you tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, um, your training, family life, the usual? Yes, so I am an NHS midwife and I work part-time in London. At the moment, I'm currently um, on the labour ward. Um, But I'm also a lactation consultant and I qualified as a lactation consultant unrelated to work just because of the massive struggles I had personally with my first child. And I thought blindly, if I'm a midwife and I have, you know, quite an in-depth knowledge around breastfeeding, yet I found it really, really hard and my eyes were open to so many different aspects about lactation. I thought, hmm, it really just got my interest. So I qualified as a lactation consultant. Um, I don't actually have a private practice because I've got a young family. I've just had my third baby. Um, so I just sort of bop around on Instagram, really. Um, with, just a, with a page where I just give out generalised advice to people to sort of myth bust. That's my real thing. There's lots of myths around infant feeding. And I wish it wasn't called lactation consultant because it's it's... I'm an infant feeding specialist, so to yeah. speak. So it, it should be inclusive. We're covering formula and bottle feeding and everything like that. Yeah, because that's a lot of um, a lot of infant feeding specialists. So uh, where I work, we used to always call it like breastfeeding. Where's the breastfeed like breastfeeding support team? Mm. Uh, but it's not at all, is it? It like everyone can have problems whether you're bottle feeding, combination feeding, or breastfeeding. So it's good that that. Exactly. I think the majority of people also who connect with like lactation specialists or an infant feeding specialist, they're going to be giving formula or bottles majority of the time because otherwise, because there's probably enough problem being identified. So with people yeah. that hold back on seeking support, it's like, no, do, even though, you know, this, we, we're supporting everybody, not just breastfeeding. Today, I wanted to talk to you uh, about tongue tie, um, yeah. mainly after that incredible video that you put on. Um, but firstly then, so could you explain what is a tongue tie and what would make somebody think that their baby could have a tongue tie? So I think the first thing to say about tongue tie is it's controversial. Everybody has different opinions about tongue ties. Um, 
everything you say, sometimes it feels like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So there probably will be tongue-tied practitioners that are like, no, I don't practice in that way, but I'm going to give some generalized advice um, as a lactation consultant. So underneath our tongue, over 99% of us will have a piece of tissue that you can see that attaches the base of our tongue to the bottom of our mouth, and that's called a frenulum. So some people, newborn babies and adults, may have a real tension within that frenulum, so within that bit of tissue. And what that means is that tongue can't move in its best way. So its mobility is tethered, some people call it, like tethered oral tissue. So it means that the tongue can't do this magical sort of dance that it does when it's attaching to the breast, maintaining a latch at the breast. And also it can cause problems with bottles as well. So yeah, one of the classic symptoms is pain in the um, like in the person's nipples. Um, you might see that the nipple is wedge-shaped or it has like a crease along it. So like a seam it looks like. And that's where the, t- that's where the tongue is being kind of nipples, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you like the word nipple? Right, yeah. Um, so that's where the tongue is being compressed between the really strong muscular tongue and the bony roof of the mouth because the tongue can't get that nipple right back to the soft palate at the back of the mouth. And um, sometimes you may also hear a clicking. And what happens there is where the tongue can't elevate. So it can't get really high. Um, so it can't sustain its latch, sort of that suction vacuum on the nipple. So what happens is the tongue slaps down to the bottom of the mouth. And the clicking sound is the tongue hitting the bottom of the mouth because it doesn't have the strength or the stamina um, or it doesn't have that ability to to sustain itself up like that because that tissue is pulling it back down. You may also find that you've got babies who are choking, coughing, gagging with the milk flow because they don't have the ability, again, for that tongue to sort of get into that rhythmic suck, suck, swallow, breathe as well. It can't stay up there and actually allow that milk to sort of flow to the back of the mouth and down into the tummy. You might also then find that the babies have low weight gain because they're not able to effectively empty the breast well. Therefore, they're not getting the milk that they need. They may tire very quickly at the breast because this is much harder work for them because they're sort of, it's like they're swimming against the tide here. They've got a tongue that they're really trying hard to get to work, but there is that tension pulling that tongue, restricting that tongue's movement. Of course, if you've got a baby that's not getting weight well, you've likely got a mother who's got a low milk supply or possibly yeah. they don't have a low milk supply. Their supply is good, but they're getting things like recurrent blocked ducts or mastitis because, again, the baby isn't able to empty that breast really well. Oh, and babies might have reflux because they're gulping, like <laughs> gulping away, swallowing loads and loads of air, coughing, spluttering. They're then swallowing lots of air, and that, again, can cause reflux, which is vomiting where milk feeds come back up. Um, it could be silent reflux where it just comes up into the food pipe. Or it can actually be, they can actually vomit the milk out like that way. That again can cause low weight gain. With the pain, you might get actual like trauma and cracks on the nipple. But you can also get things like vasospasm, which is where the blood flow to the nipple is restricted because of that tongue pressing it. Yeah. And then the blood flow stops the nipple. And when it then recommences, you then get this very blanched, pale nipple and it, you get this like intense burning. Um, yeah. so it's like a real burning feeling after a feed has finished, which is misdiagnosed with thrush very often. Oh, that's really interesting. I actually can relate to that last one a lot. And I thought it was thrush the whole time. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I too, I too. I was treated for months on end for the thrush because of this burning sensation. And nobody ever said, well, hang on, let's have a look at your nipple when that burning happens. And actually, if you look at your nipple and it's, we call it tri-colours. So it sort of goes from the pink to the very, very pale. It's like white. Um, and it will go white no matter, or very pale compared to normal, no matter what your skin colour or your nipple colour. Then when the blood comes back, it goes to this throbbing purple colour. And that's your burning when the blood flow like recommences almost. Yes. Yeah. Or it can feel like, um, I remember someone said to me, it's it's a bit like the babe, like it's like grains of glass are being sucked into your nipple feeling and I was like that's exactly it it's very very painful if somebody then thinks that they have got one of those symptoms um what what um, like who who would check it where where do they go yeah. like what so would it be their midwife yeah so lots of those symptoms that I listed a cause for those there is a whole array of possible causes that isn't just tongue tie. At the moment, it feels like everybody goes, oh, breastfeeding's painful. It must be tongue tie. Get someone to check for tongue tie. And yeah. actually, what we really need to be doing is looking at our the basics. Go back to the basics. What's our positioning and attachment? Has somebody sat with you who's skilled in lactation and who's skilled when things aren't going right? So remembering that midwives were the experts of normality, and we're very good at doing the basic position. Well, we should be very good at doing the basic positioning and attachment. So the way in which we hold our baby to our body, the way in which we hold the breast to the body, to the baby, and then how the baby's mouth goes on to the breast. It's breastfeeding. So we're not, they shouldn't just be sat on a nipple. They need to have a big mouthful of breast in their mouth. Um, so actually majority of the time when people say, I've got one of those problems, if we actually spend the time, you know, I'm talking about an hour, which you and I both know, midwives do not have the time to give an hour to each person with a breastfeeding problem. We are so stretched at the moment. Um, most likely positioning attachment will, will resolve a lot of those problems. But if you've done that and you've still got problems or people are saying to you, but your latch looks brilliant, your latch looks perfect. And you're saying, yeah, but it still feels like I want to lob my baby across the room because the agony or I've still yeah. got wounds on my nipple that are not healing no matter what I do then we need to go okay something else is going on and this is beyond the remit now of a midwife because this isn't normality our basics of positioning and attachment have not resolved the problem so what we should then be doing in the ideal world is as midwives referring on to an infant feeding specialist so like an infant feeding team and um, possibly a tongue-tie practitioner or if you can afford it, a private lactation consultant. So the fancy name for a lactation consultant, if you were to Google it for in your area, is an IBCLC, um, an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. But most will just go by lactation consultant. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can call yourself a lactation consultant even if you're not. So sometimes putting in IBCLC can be good just to get what you're in, what? Certification. Yeah, it's also interesting though that you should probably note that a lactation consultant within our professional standards, it's really explicit. We are not to make any diagnosis. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I should not uh, review somebody and say, even if they've got the most glaring case of mastitis ever, yeah. in theory, I should not say to them, you've got mastitis, this is what you need to do. Oh, I, I mean, 
go to your GP. You need to go on to a medic to give you a diagnosis. Once you receive, if you receive a diagnosis on mastitis, this is my suggestion of treatment. Or what I would say with a t- with tongue is I would do a full assessment of the tongue. So that is not visual. That is not looking in the baby's mouth. That is, you've got to watch a whole feed. So watch how a baby goes on the breast, watch them feed at the breast and watch how they come off at the breast. Are they coming off milk drunk and satisfied? Are they coming off and still screaming? Or are they falling asleep at the breast really, really quickly because it's too exhausting for them? Um, And then with a gloved finger, doing a full assessment of the tongue. And I would expect anyone who is skilled and taught how to do an assessment of the tongue would be communicating with the parents the whole time. So saying, this is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at how their tongue cups my finger, for example, the rhythm of their suck. And I am looking at their oral structures, their little chin, where that is. I'm looking at the appearance of the tongue. I'm looking at the way in which their tongue can go sideways, so lateralization, how it can be stuck out, how it can rise up. It's it's a really quite complex, it's, it's a dance in a way. It's lots of different elements of what this baby is presenting us with and how they feed at the breast. A midwife can say, this is beyond my remit. I have suspicions that there may be a tongue tie because lots of us who have had quite a lot of clinical experience, we have our suspicions. Yeah. Um, but actually, midwives aren't routinely trained to assess fully for a tongue tie. Pediatricians are not trained to assess for a tongue tie, nor neonatologists, not GPs, not health visitors. It's you need additional training and ideally to be reviewed and somebody with that skill to say, I've taught you well, you can do it, Bosh, you're therefore able to go ahead and do that within whoever you're caring for. Um, so the people that can do that are lactation consultants, tongue-tie practitioners, um, or someone that's had additional training specifically in, in tongue-tie assessment. Because this is the really interesting um, point, really, isn't it? Because I know myself as a midwife and over my nearly 10 years of working in midwifery for sure I have done my first check on a baby and seen the tongue tie and thought oh yeah that baby's got a tongue tie or even had women who have struggled with breastfeeding and they said has my baby got a tongue tie and I've looked in the mouth and thought oh no doesn't look like your baby has a tongue tie at all yeah and the more we in in that in those 10 years, there has been so much more that we now know about tongue ties. Yeah. Um, that it's not just... It's not just a visual. The old classic was, oh, the baby can stick their tongue out, therefore they don't have a tongue tie. Whereas we now know it's not just about protrusion, is the fancy name for it, the sticking out of the tongue. It's all about, can it go sideways? Can it elevate? So um, there might also be a baby who has a sort of, you see that bit of skin comes really far up on the on the tongue, yet they breastfeed beautifully. Yeah. And then it's a real, normally within the NHS, it's not prophylactic, meaning they probably wouldn't divide a tongue tie for a baby who feeds very well. In the early days, it's, it's how feeding is going is our assessment of whether the tongue is able to function. There can be babies that just ride on a mother's really good letdown. So when the milk is released from the breast, if it's quite strong and forceful, a baby doesn't need much movement in their tongue to receive the like, milk they need. They just go and sit there passively. 
you then get to six to eight weeks down the line when that that letdown settles down a little bit and our milk supply down regulates and that's when you might come into problems the problem is your nhs services at that point say oh we only do tongue-tied and um, division it up until six weeks or yeah. you know some other thing like that yeah. so in private practice what you may find is that people will say I think there is actually some tension in that frenulum, but your baby is compensating currently. We don't know further down the line whether they will continue to work with that compensation. We also don't know. One thing that people are really concerned about is language, um, dental staff, um, and being able to consume solids safely because you need your tongue to move to be able to speak and make sounds. You also, for dental health, it's things like if you eat a packet of crisps, imagine what you do with your tongue. Mm. You squint your tongue side to side to dig it out of your teeth, don't you? Yeah, you, know, you do. Yeah, everyone does. Right. Um, and if a baby's tongue can't move to that side to side very well, what does that mean in terms of their dental health when they're older? Um, but we don't currently have the evidence to say a tongue-tied baby will have a speech impediment, for example, or they will have poor dental um, hygiene. We don't, so within the NHS, it, it's still the functionality is assessed with infant feeding early on. I think it's, personally, I think it's wrong that a lot of the time that it's only offered to people who are breastfeeding. Yeah, I think people who are bottle feeding have just as much right to have their baby's tongue-tie divided if feeding problems are there. So feeding problems for a bottle-fed baby are very similar to that of a breastfed baby. Um, you just don't really get the supply issues. But you can have a baby coughing, spluttering, choking, lots and lots of leaking of milk when they're feeding. Um, and you can go the slowest flow teat and you can have the most beautiful pace bottle feeding technique. And this baby still really struggles with that flow. Um, again, reflux as well. So you can have a really miserable mother and baby no matter what the feeding method and and for me it's only fair that both get the same acknowledgement and treatment because as midwives we are we are that first person and that first point of contact when when a mum first meets their baby and they are you know their first feeding it's those hospital midwives those delivery suite midwives birth unit midwives you know home birth community midwives or even on the ward as well so it really does highlight the importance of midwives being aware about their understanding of tongue tie but also about their limitations as well within their training um and i know we so practice isn't it it's drummed down to us what's our scope of practice i could say i could look at a at a, a pregnant person and go you've got really really high blood pressure you've got loads of protein in your urine i'm pretty confident you've got preeclampsia I would not make that, a midwife would not make that diagnosis because we know that that's not within our scope of practice. We would say, you might say, I have suspicions. I'm going to refer you on to the obstetricians who will look at the whole picture. And then the obstetrician with further training in that area may say, actually, I think you've got help syndrome. So it's similar, but it's different. And that is exactly how we should approach infant feeding to say, I have suspicions something else is going on, but it's beyond my remit and not qualified to do any further assessments. So I'm gonna refer you on to a specialist. And infant feeding is a specialism. I mean, yeah. I still am learning so much stuff every day, um, but we, we as midwives seem to have jumped ahead. But also I hear all the time from parents, why are babies not assessed 
why are we not having somebody trade at that first baby check to say whether a baby has a tongue tie or not? Because the proof is in the pudding. And by that, I mean, can the baby feed? Yeah. We don't yeah. know in the first day if a baby can feed. It's going to take you at least, you know, five, seven days for most people to learn that dance, to learn how to hold your baby, put your baby to the breast, learn how to latch effectively, how to get a deep latch. But very rarely, sometimes there are babies who literally their tongue doesn't move from the base of their mouth because that frenulum, you know, you've seen them, haven't you? Mm. That classic, that, that their tongue doesn't leave. Um, and those babies do need a friend, um, um, a frenulotomy really quickly. Um, but for the majority of babies, if we release a tongue tie, and it is not just a snip, it is a release of a tongue tie. And this is what um, you mean when you say a frenulotomy is... A frenulotomy, sorry, yeah. A frenulotomy is where um, on the NHS it will be done with a pair of scissors. Um, it's literally just cutting that, that bit of skin underneath the tongue. Or if it's a posterior tie, it's going a little bit into the body of the tongue itself sometimes. Um, it is literally just releasing it like that to allow the tongue to function in a way to take away that tension, basically. Yeah. Um, and we can do that, but unless you've got decent positioning and attachment, we're not going to resolve your problems. So getting your, it's like getting all your ducks in order. Get your positioning and attachment mastered. If your baby has had perhaps like a forceps birth, a von Tuss birth, or a very, very quick birth, Perhaps there's loads of tension in their body and their jaw, and that is making their tongue, tongue is a muscle. You know, maybe that is making the muscles of the jaw not allow that tongue to move in the way that we want. So once again, it's not evidence-based, but some people really like to see somebody like a cranial osteopath um, or somebody that does body work on babies to assess any muscular tension. But again, we are looking at, it's a complete privilege to be able to afford that. And for many people, they can't, particularly us of living at the moment in the UK. I mean, my slot, I just, that's not on the NHS. No, ever, is it? Cranial osteopathy is is not something that you could even know what he worked would be on the NHS. You'll likely go to a tongue-tied clinic, have the tongue released and bye-bye. Whereas with a private practitioner, hopefully they would say, come back in seven days, let's review the wound, let's have a look at our feeding. That's why I really like um, tongue-tied practitioners to be really skilled in breastfeeding management as well, feeding management, so they can give you an infant feeding plan, not just release the tongue and wave you goodbye. It's all one big plan, isn't it? It shouldn't just be one or the other. It's like yeah, exactly. all your ducks in a row fast. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with the um, with the training then of midwives... You mean when I got a bee in my bonnet? Yes, I do. I do mean this. It was such a fascinating video because it, well, you explain what you did and what you found out. I don't want to ruin the surprise. So I got a bee in my bonnet because I was continually hearing from families, like I said previously, who were either being told their baby had a tongue tie and they didn't or being told that their baby didn't have a tongue tie and they did. And I would ask, who has told you this? Oh, the midwife or the health visitor or the the person that did the first baby check, whether that was a specially trained midwife or um, a paediatrician, a neonatologist. And I was just like, I smashed my head against the wall. I was like, but these people are not actually trained to assess this. So I thought, well, why are people, why are people claiming that they are? So I, I, um, 
live and work in London. And I thought maybe it's just that I trained here as well. So I thought maybe it's a London bubble thing yeah. that we're, we're not trained. Maybe other unis actually are training midwives and I'm being really unfair. So somebody told me you can ask for a freedom of information request from universities about any part of their teaching. And my eyes lit up. I became <laughs> that job's worth. So I sent off an email to every UK university that teaches midwifery to try and understand what they're teaching about tongue tie and are their graduates actually able to assess for a tongue tie properly. So it turns out I didn't actually ask you. There's quite a specific way in which you have to ask a request. There's real limitations on what you can and can't ask. So some were like, we're not even going to entertain your, your questions. So I emailed about 40 uh, unis and I got about 24 responses. Do you want me to tell you what I found out? I do. I do. In terms of who teaches it, many said we can't quantify. We do teach it, but we can't quantify the number of hours because we all know it's going to be a, a couple of slides on a presentation that says tongue tie can cause these problems. This is the prevalence of it. Job done. Maybe you have used the under another bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Another topic. And it's just. It's just there somewhere. We do mention it, but we don't know what we mention or how much we mention. So two uni said they don't cover it at all. Two said that they do less than one hour. Eight uni said they do one to two hours. And two uni said they did three plus hours. So I then asked, well, who is doing this teaching? Because again, if it's just a midwife, they won't have this additional training to teach about tongue tie assessment. Is it actually somebody who's qualified to do it? So seven of the unis, it's just a midwifery lecturer. So that means that they won't have received any additional training in tongue tie themselves. They wouldn't actually be practicing how to do an assessment themselves. Um, and also, I don't know if this is true, but I'm not sure actually how many clinical hours midwifery lecturers need to be doing. I don't know. I'm not sure. And then, so we've got five midwifery lecturers who are breastfeeding initiative trained. Now, the Breastfeeding Initiative is a UNICEF thing, and it is all about um, trying to basically encourage more people to breastfeed. Um, but one of the things that infuriates me about it is nowhere do they mention tongue tie within their standards. There's no, you know what, to increase our, our breastfeeding rates across the world, particularly in developed countries, what we need to be doing is having access to, to skilled help. There's, there's nothing that says they need access to skilled help and there's nothing about tongue tie. So for me, a BFI trained lecturer, that is no different really to a normal midwifery lecturer. You've got five unis teaching a frenulotomist. So a tongue tie practitioner doing the teaching, which is great. One was a midwife, newborn infant check midwife lecturer. Again, not much different to a normal midwife. Four were taught by the infant feeding team or a lactation consultant and two decided not to answer that question. Then I said to them, so do you feel that your graduates are able, do they qualify able to do an assessment? Six of them won't answer that. Fifteen say no. They're taught the pathophysiology. So they're taught if we've done all these basic steps and there's still problems, then there is the potential it's caused by a tongue tie. Three of them said yes. Our students graduate and they are able to assess properly for a, um, for a tongue tie. So one of these courses, actually, to be fair, their students were taught by a tongue-tie practitioner. The second uni um, was just a midwife. 
with no specialism in infant feeding. And then the final uni, um, they were taught for less than one hour on tongue tie and they felt that their students were qualified to, a, to do a formal assessment for a tongue tie. So I thought that that was really enlightening. Um, I think that really highlighted actually that midwifery lecturers themselves don't have a deep enough understanding of tongue tie, the complexity of it. I was going to say it also doesn't, um, it's not something that when you are as a student, so you did mention this in your, um, in your video about as student midwives, you need to get 40 births to qualify. Yeah. But yet those, there isn't that for tongue tie. So no. So no, within, go on. Within the NMC, so the Nursing Midwifery Council, they set out our learning objectives as students and they say, you have to be able to do X, Y, Z skills. We have a, well, at least old school, we used to have a skills book, didn't we? It's now more integrated into documents. But so you have to be able to achieve, be assessed by a midwife and signed off to say, you understand the physiology of this or the pathophysiology. And I deem, as a registrant myself, I deem you safe and competent to do this. Tongue tie is not mentioned anywhere within the NMC student midwife documents. So we are not assessed to do it. We're not signed off. No one's signing us off to say we can do it. So when you say, yes, our students can, can, can assess for a tongue tie, nobody's checking these clinical skills at all. It's just a, let's throw it out there and say, yes, we can. You've then got student midwives now, as they graduate onwards, they're going to be um, already qualified in the newborn infant physical examination. It's known as a NIPE test. Public Health England set out the standards for this newborn infant physical examination. Uh, and they say that you should be looking at the palate and the oral structures. They do not say anywhere about tongue tie. But then in the documentation that is produced following the NIPE test and the assessment for NIPE midwives, it says that you should be looking for a tongue tie. Yeah. But Public Health England are not, are not saying this needs to be done. This has been added in somewhere by someone who obviously, again, doesn't understand. They say it's a visual check. Yeah. And tie is not assessed there's a very mismatch isn't it it's like they're it's like that they are saying that you literally just look to see if the tongue is tied it's like that is what they yeah but 99 percent of us have visible visible frenulum so it means nothing yeah which is crazy so where they're assessing on on one small part yeah and then asking you to make a diagnosis from it, it it's like yeah there's a big gap in knowledge there and isn't yeah. there it, there is. And, and then we totally understand why families are left completely without, you know, that, you know, what do they do? Where do they go? They're, the I can't even put it into words. They're just left sort of thing with, with poor, poor help, missing services. You know, it's, it's, it's criminal, but I don't know how we make, I mean, I've ranted about it, obviously, but I don't know how we actually make changes. I, when you, um, I think there was 15 units, I think you said. Um, was it 15 which which said... Another response from 24 units out of about 40. Was, was it 15 which said that their um, advice was that they their students should see what's normal and then be able to refer on? Was that 15? Yeah. No, no, you're right. So 15 units said that their students can't assess but they are taught about the physiology so they would understand something's wrong and be able to refer on. And that's the goal, isn't it? That's yeah. actually what we, that's what we want. Yes. 
midwives to do at this moment because actually midwives aren't appropriately trained no. for tongue tie. So really the only thing that we can do as midwives is to see that there is a problem and refer on or the opposite. And do our basics really, really well. So yeah. doing our positioning and attachment really, really well, really helping in those early days of breastfeeding management. Um, and then, yes, refer on. But lots of midwives will say, I have nobody to refer on to. In an ideal world, it would be great to have a specific breastfeeding, sorry, infant feeding support workers at the hospital, maybe running alongside midwives as well. Yeah. Maybe that would be about obviously money and, yeah. I mean, well, a total dream would be everybody could see as an inpatient and an outpatient would be able to see a lactation consultant or a really highly skilled maternity support worker who is specialising in, in infant feeding. Uh, so do you think midwives should be telling mums before they leave the hospital if they suspect that their baby has a tongue tie? I think it's very difficult as hospital midwives that we very rarely have enough time to sit and watch a whole feed because ideally that's what we should be doing. But that would take about an hour. If you're on a postnatal ward and you've got eight patients, you've actually got 16 patients because you've got the mother or parent and the baby. So that's two for each. Um, to actually to actually have the time to do a full breastfeeding assessment is usually quite rare for a midwife. But if they feel that they're really great at positioning and attachment and they've worked really hard with the um, dyad, so the mother and the baby or the parent and the baby, and they go, do you know what, we've got really great positioning and attachment and still something's not quite right, possibly they could mention it. Um, but I think what the better thing to do would be to say, keep working at your positioning and attachment. Remember these principles. Here are some resources to go home with. Um, and if you're still experiencing problems after, the, after you've worked at your positioning and attachment, here are services that you can then go and get further help from. Because I'm not sure... You know, if, if it's one of those extreme cases where the tongue doesn't move the bottom of the mouth, then yes, maybe. But for the majority, it, it's, you know, let's keep working at our positioning and attachment. And if there are still continued problems, even though we've mastered that, let's move on to someone who, you know, could assess for a tongue tie possibly. Okay. Um, and then so for the mum, for mums who may in the future be told that their babies have a tongue tie, um, so by a midwife, or a neonatal doctor, or even a GP. So somebody who, as we discussed, we don't feel necessarily should. Yeah. Um, what do you think that their next steps should be? I would say, um, I'd go in armed and say, can you just tell me the points that you've assessed for that? So what features have you looked at? Can you just break that down for me as to how you can diagnose that the tongue isn't functioning well? And they'll probably go, um, um, I can just see it under there. Um, or you could say something like, have you, have you assessed that just from looking or have you actually done a full oral assessment? Um, you could also ask them what, what diagnostic tool are you using? So are you using like the Bristol, uh, model for assessment or, you know, you could sort of pull the rug out from underneath their fight, which maybe is a bit mean. Say but that. I would definitely what I would definitely say is can you just talk me through what features you have assessed and which you have concern on yeah and then you know actually they haven't assessed all those different aspects they probably just looked um and that's and that's not the way to diagnose even then when you're talking about the Bristol stuff that that means nothing to me 
back yeah. like a tabby. There's lots of people have done different um, criterias that you sort of tick or give a number to, and you add them up, or and then that tells you actually how functional is this tongue. It's, it's they're tools that they're trying to bring about to bring some uniformity because tongue tie assessment is very like a vaginal examination. It's completely subjective. It's the person. We can't get a ruler in the cervix to give, yeah. you know, your eight centimetres. Um, and we can't get a ruler in the baby's mouth because everybody's mouth is different. Some people have very high palates, low, you know, those sorts of things. We can't, it's subjective. It's the person putting their finger in the mouth that say, for me, I feel that the tongue moves okay. Or for me, the tongue doesn't move very well. Um, and sometimes you get complete differing opinions you know, you could be assessed by three people trained to assess the tongue tie and you get three different answers. And there is there is always in in I would say the majority of areas across the UK, I think that's fair to say. Um, there is breastfeeding support groups. I know so right very it seems quite hit or miss. So sometimes you're gonna have um midwives will have support groups. You may then find that you're not allowed to access them over 28 days because that, in theory, is around when midwifery care would stop. So what I or health visitors sometimes run them, and that would be up until the child goes to school. Um, or there are charitable things like the Association of Breastfeeding Mothers, the Breastfeeding Network, the Leche League. Um, it's really, really variable. And what I would always suggest is before you've had your baby is to make a breastfeeding plan, even if you don't think you want to breastfeed your baby or like loads of us say, myself included, I'll give breastfeeding a go. If it doesn't work out, I'm not bothered. Whereas when you have your baby, something happens. And despite what you've said, you suddenly have to breastfeed your baby. It's like this deep, intense yearning for quite a lot of us. So if you've investigated prior where you can get help, how it's provided, do you just refer yourself to it? Do you need the midwife or the health officer to refer you? you can get access to help much more quickly. Okay. Which is good. Early help is best. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't agree more. Um, it also makes you feel, if you've done it when you're pregnant as well, especially if you've gone visited support groups when you're pregnant, it, it eases you in for um, when you have to go with a baby, like a crying baby. Like you just think, I know where to park. I know who I'm going to see. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, that preparation antenatally can really help. Postage. Yeah, I think also things like um, local parenting groups on Facebook can be quite good. People have said, oh, yeah, I've used that and there's a service in this children's centre or this village hall or whatever. Um, and you can ask, I think, I think mums will support each other or new parents will support each other. And you can say, well, where the hell do you park? And people will tell you, it is those things, isn't it? Like, where do I park? Can I take the pram in or are there stairs? We say things, we suddenly lose our confidence in a way of operating totally normally because, yeah, a pram, I mean, I still, third child, I still ram the pram into every door and every every wall I possibly can. Oh. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for um, chatting to me about tongue-tie today. Oh, I can uh, talk to you and to bust some of those myths around. Yeah, it's been so interesting. It really has. I do have one last question for you, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, it one day when your child is grown up so this could be any of your three children um and expecting their first baby uh what advice would you give to them you do you nice yeah you do what you want to do don't listen to all the crap don't listen to what's expected what feels what feels right for you and your child deep in your gut 
you love them and you and you that's the important thing it's not it's not all the things that you're being told loving your child is the most important thing lovely thank you so much thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed listening to that episode please make sure you follow and rate the show for midwife at your service it takes you two seconds but it does massively help me out 